welcome to another edition of Linking the Travel Industry, where we discover popular and uh, interesting travel industry posts which appeared on LinkedIn uh, recently. And uh, in the process, we link the industry. Uh, before we continue, just a bit of housekeeping. We do record this session as we make it available as a podcast, which we will tell you more about towards the end of the session. And we absolutely welcome audience participation. Just keep in mind, if you do raise your hand again on stage, that you will be part of that recording. My name is Rian, and I'm one of your hosts today. I'm the CEO of Agentivity, where we help travel management companies gain insight into and control of their businesses as well as achieve scalable growth through the effective use of their data. And hello, everyone. Uh, I am Anne, and uh, I work as an independent consultant in uh, the travel industry, uh, with together with the brands of LeapShift and ExploreTech. So welcome, everybody. And hi, everyone. This is Ash, and I am the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where you can get all the important updates in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the Vice President of Sales at Traxo, the leader in visibility and real-time direct bookings. And this is Linking the Travel Industry. first one that I mentioned last week was about the EasyJet Rolls-Royce history, basically that they've made with the world's first run on the modern aero engine that they were trying out with green hydrogen. Um, the post was um, mentioned by quite a few people, but I thought it was quite significant. And, and as we've always said, with EasyJet's approach to carbon offsetting, they make a problem to solve and they focus more on solving the problem than focusing on offsets. And um, this was really nice to read and, and kudos to both EasyJet and Rolls-Royce for making this happen right and this is music to our ears right like we said so many times before we admire what easyjet are doing and and the way that they talk about it and publish and it's just so hopeful and it just makes you happy rather than talking about buying offset schemes etc this is yeah. just so much better Ash, did you see that story? I did. And it was actually um, exactly what Anne said, right? And we talk about that on this call that, you know, all the, the confusion that gets created in, you know, the example that we talked about last week, it makes it very hard for consumers to trust the system. But I think that EasyJet in the direction that they're going with, the new jet and actually a new way of breaking through in the technology. And I think we're going to see a lot of these developments occur as time goes on. And the offset thought process will become a very traditional and uh, ancient way to manage this. Don't make it our problem, right? As a traveler, right. make it, fix the system, make it better, whether it's changing the aircraft, but do your part and don't make it the yeah. responsibility of the traveler to have to manage yeah. your carbon offset. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. And, and inform us, right? Yeah. Tell us, uh, make sure that we take part of your journey. Um, that I think is, is so, so essential, really. I love the fact that they're testing it on an actual engine that they might be using themselves as opposed to some prototype. So it's just a step closer to, to reality there. There's a link here between a story we did a week ago and this story because I picked up on the fact that British Airways uh, announced quite a few additional international routes that they're moving away from um, Heathrow or, or expanding more into Gatwick, really. So they are expanding their capacity out of Gatwick. And uh, was it the week before, guys, that we talked about Virgin Atlantic talking about the high fees at Heathrow? And now this news from British Airways that they are putting a few of the international routes out of Gatwick instead. So do you think there's a link, Ash? 
you always talk about the story behind the story, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that this is uh, exactly what we talked about last week, where London is lucky to have alternative airports, right? Many cities, that idea of an alternative airport does not exist. But in London, we have three airports, maybe four if you, just depends on where you live. But moving flights into Gatwick, I think, is a great move. And I think that uh, this is exactly what uh, what we need to see is expansion of Gatwick. And with that in mind, even uh, London City Centre. Yeah, I, th- I think it's good. I think it signals uh, to Heathrow. But at the same time, I looked up for myself. Can I, from Copenhagen, fly via Gatwick then? Something I would really welcome. And sadly, I can't. <laughs> All the flights on BA are to Heathrow. So yeah. that kind of defeats the purpose for yes. me, which I think I find a bit strange that they don't. Why, why can't they have, you know, one of those connections or some connections into Gatwick? Yeah, basically what they're doing there is short selling their feeder services to their you know, long hauls there. So that's mm. uh, definitely a point. I, I see it out of interest, you know, for myself, one of the flights they're adding there is a Cape Town flight. But they're also keeping the Heathrow one as well. So you'll be able to choose there. But you're right. The, the feeder uh, flights certainly haven't been updated yet. Yeah, so something they could definitely improve on for sure. But I, I just want to come back to the mention that I think there's a, there's a relationship there that um, airlines might be giving the message back to Heathrow that um, there are choices, right? And they will exercise their choices if they could. So, so good for them. My next post was around One World Alliance and their supposed interest in getting China Southern Airlines on board. Um, it also talked about how it's a bit of a challenge because they, of course, have Cathay uh, already, but um, also that travel inside of China is under a lot of stress and um, airlines there are not doing so well. So that was just an interesting article I read. And do you think they'll succeed? Does it make sense for them to get China Southern on the One World Alliance? I, you know, I was wondering about the sort of cafe relationship, but then, of course, I mean, China Southern is the domestic uptake in China. So in that aspect, it makes sense. I was going to try to Google and see if I could find anything on why they left SkyTeam. I found that kind of interesting that they've been in an alliance and then left an alliance. Significant um, if they can get that, I would say. My next story was uh, based on a post by Vimal, which I really enjoyed with Vimal out of uh, Singapore. He talked about um, Emirates opening a physical store in Dubai, you know, in an age where everything else is moving to digital and virtual worlds. They pride themselves on um, having a physical store. And of course, it's market related in that market. That sort of thing works better and is, is more appreciated by stuff. But it's absolutely huge. Of course, Emirates does nothing in a small scale. Um, and so that was his post and it, it generated quite a bit of discussion. Ash, did you see that story from him? I did. And I actually like this a lot. I wish more and more airlines did this. And I'll kind of talk about my experience with an airline that I prefer. And the idea that they would think about doing something like this would be really, really cool. And, you know, you look at all the examples that Vimal presented in his article, and he talks about, you know, one brand after the other. And he talks about how this is actually a really interesting idea for them to have. And so I think that this is great. And I think that we need to see airlines move in this direction and not just be an airline, but be more than that. I'm not sure where I sit on that, Ash. I have to say it makes sense, but it also doesn't make sense. I'm not so sure how I would feel. And how do you think? You'd, you'd want to go to a physical store from an airline and see that in action? Or I love it. I see great, <laughs> I see great potential in this. I, I And I, I was one of the 
one of those commenting on on this post because I I see the combination then with the sort of um, the metaverse potential in all of this is like endless. And I've actually myself wondered many times why airlines aren't using the opportunities that they could have actually selling some plane related stuff. I've been thinking about that in, you know, airline lounges and stuff. Why don't they sell more gifts like that? Why, mm. why don't they take the opportunity? Yeah, to me, it's huge. And I think yeah. what Emirates are doing um, is fantastic. You know, everything they do is fantastic. You know, if you're going to trust somebody to fly you at 35,000 feet, 500 miles per hour, wouldn't you trust what they're selling to you as well? And why do people buy mm-hmm. clothes or anything from a store? It's because they trust that brand, right? So yeah. I think that having that brand go beyond just the plane itself and, you know, post-pandemic, people were talking about the same thing, right? How do you go beyond and you see all the changes that are going with all the airlines, with credit cards and loyalty points and just the evolution of the airline industry overall has definitely move the airline into thinking about beyond just the airplane, right? And they have every opportunity to really leverage and market that brand of theirs. That is, like you say, Ash, it's so trusted, you know, hopefully. I mean, you really trust the brand. And and just imagine the possibilities and, like you say, toys and stuff. The only thing I've ever seen close to this is actually the uh, SM Brussels Lounge, where they have um, a chocolatier and um, you can, you know, get your gift from there inside in the lounge and it's absolutely brilliant and people queue up. I mean, it's just great. Why they don't leverage this more, I I don't understand. Listening to you both, you might be convincing me because it does make sense. The next one uh, is interesting because I, I, you know, we always keep talking about United Airlines on our session here, but always in good light. But this time around, it's it didn't do so well. I see um, Mr. O'Leary from Ryanair was not very happy that uh, Scott Kirby from United was calling LCC's Ponzi schemes, and uh, he had to point out to God that um, you know, unlike some of the full-size carriers, you know, they are actually doing quite well. They're not getting bailouts, all that sort of stuff. So that was an interesting story. I don't know what um, was going through his head, but um, Ash, did you see that about Scott Kirby and um, calling LCC's Ponzi schemes? The only thing I have to say is Ted. (laughs) Ted was United Airlines' little Ponzi scheme, so to speak, where they tried to get into the LCC market, but it failed miserably. So maybe, uh, and Scott wasn't there, so no, you know, I'm not trying to point it at Scott, but um, at the end of the day, I think every major airline has tried their hand in low-cost airline models and business models, but because they are a mega, they can't tend to think like a low cost, so they'd never make it very far. But United had its own low cost airline called TED. And what did you make of that? Was it a bit unfair of uh, Scott? Yes, it was. I, I was actually quite shocked. I, I, I don't understand, you know, why why get into that debate, especially if you've been in Chapter 11 twice, like United. Then, then I, you know, I, 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 I wouldn't really. I mean, Ryanair is one of the most profitable airlines in yep. the world, right? I, I think it was there were three airlines that were named in the world globally that actually had the funds and were such money-making machine that they could survive the pandemic and emerge, you know, yeah. really well. And of course, uh, Ryanair was one of them. Uh, Southwest yeah. was another. This is the second uh, Ryan and Anne blunder by United Airlines in yeah. a couple of weeks. 
weeks now, right? First yes. was when they went after Southwest with that stupid website that they created. Right. And now it's this. So That's a very interesting point. I mean, this article was posted by Will Holton. And in that, he also talks about some other stuff, which I think was interesting that we talked about this before, right? We talked about TAP being on sale and the Portuguese airlines being up sale. And, and Michael O'Leary does agree that he thinks it will fall under IAG ownership, which um, you know, seems to confirm all the other rumors we've heard. And um, he say, he said, he's predicting that ITA or ITA from Italy will go with um, the Lufthansa or their France KLM you know, deal. So there was a few other thing, interesting things in that post as well from uh, from Will Halton. But uh, yeah, I was I was surprised to hear about uh, United's mentioning there as well. The next story still involves, um, I imagine, you know, very low cost uh, carriers because this is in your neighborhood, uh, Ashwood Frontier Airlines, saying they're going to stop offering customer support by phone and just instead do either email or live chats only. And what was interesting is that the link to the article in the article itself, the um, original journalist there who wrote the article tried to contact them for comment and they said they will email <laughs> back the contact the comments on the phone that is so funny that is so funny fantastic <laughs> just so funny because i have to go on mute i can't stop laughing i'll fall off my chair but, <laughs> so that was really uh interesting but um i mean I, I i have to say ash before you comment i i do think um live support if it's there and it reacts and the person is able to help you for me it works better than the phone thing because it's something you can do simultaneously while doing something else right you can keep working in an the document while having the chat support open so that to me works but there definitely are instances where you need to call a supplier and get some help you might be stuck at an airport you might be you know in a difficult position you can't do the chat on your phone that sort of thing so very interesting change there well, Anne recovers from uh, getting back on a chair. Ash, what do you what do you make of it? You know, this is one of those scenarios where I think they're going to come back and put the phones back in. This is not going to be a permanent change. I think they are going to try this thing out and it's going to be a lot of pushback and a lot of resistance. You know, I mean, I use chat functions on websites in different scenarios and, you know, I am distracted, as you mentioned, and, you know, sometimes the agent is waiting for me to respond. So I think you start to have longer call times if you want to measure a phone conversation versus a chat conversation, I think you will find that the same thing takes a lot longer to solve on chat. You still need a human on the other side. I mean, I know they have some automated functionalities and fine, let's put that aside uh, for a second. But I think most people will do what they do on the phone and just type agent, 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 and press zero, zero, zero until they get somebody, right? And so you'll finally get somebody and then you will have that person you know, going through all the formalities, which takes longer to type and, you know, copy and paste. I'm sure there's a lot of like shortcuts that they're going to build and all that stuff, but it's still going to take longer, I think, to solve every problem. And once they have enough data to figure that out, then they're going to go back to turning the phones on. And have you recovered? What are your thoughts? I recovered. Yes, I agree with that. It's going to take yes. longer. And um, yeah, I think they will have to, you know, uh, go back on this one. That's my take on it. I, I think yep. it's actually quite silly. But if you have a really good communications portal, and this is something where the, that the airlines typically don't have, you can just do so much work beforehand. Yes. You know my phone number, you know who I am, etc. That It can be really, really good and so well managed and much more efficient. And 
just like Ash is saying, it's going to take longer because you are distracted and, and then repeating it, etc. No, no, I've certainly had uh, several sessions expire because, it, like Ash, you keep going with something else and then you forget it's there. So let's see. It's kind of the, like the airline food, right? People complain about it so much, the airline <laughs> food, the, the food from the plane, right? Now you have to bring your own food so nobody complains about airline food anymore. I think the same thing is happening with customer service, like complained about the whole time so much. Okay, fine, we're going to pull the phones yeah. out and good luck. <laughs> good luck indeed. Yeah, I, I must say, though, that, you know, like whole times that we've been hearing about from a lot of traditional airlines, right, and well-known brands, I mean, it's just been insane, right? And I've been contacted left, right, and center. Have you got a contact? Do you know someone? I've yeah. now been on hold with this airline for two hours. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Um, thank you to those in the audience for joining us today. I can see some familiar faces. Um, Jay, I think it's your first time joining us today. Welcome. Hope you enjoy it. Um, Jonathan's here. Yes. Miguel's here. Yes, absolutely. Very nice. So thank you for joining us, guys. Two African stories that came up on my feed. Um, the first one was um, about 15 airlines in Africa working together on a pilot scheme to create a single unified uh, market, which is very exciting. Um, this has been going on. It's not that new, but it was sort of stalled during COVID times and it's now been revived. I think it's fantastic to see and it's going to really open up um, things like the freedom flights between several you know, markets that um, is very good to see. And um, the, the countries listed in that post by Mark Anthony Johnson was very strong markets, but I think it's going to have a significant impact. So that was the first of the African stories. And the second one which relate was um, news about Air France starting their direct flight from Paris to Dar es Salaam. So that was a, a big story as well. And that, that entire market in Tanzania is opening up and that was brought to us by Michael Strain. And any input you want to give there? Any thoughts on that? No, just so happy like you are. I mean, I, I think, you know, great step, right direction. I think this is the most untapped market. It's huge, of course. So much potential, so much to be done. Just really hopeful for the future. What I love about it is they're not turning to other airlines, European and, and US airlines. That is they, key. They're doing this from the yeah. ground up themselves. Do you remember in some market, Rian and Anne, they used to have this all-you-can-fly type pass that you could get, right? Yes. And it was never for the local people. It was for people from other countries mm -hmm. to come in and take advantage yes. of. Yep. Um, yes. I would love to see this. all these airlines get together and create an all-you-can-fly pass within Africa. Five ninety nine or some number <laughs> where it's like a maximum amount. And then people will start to use that. And the next thing you know, people are flying from north to south, east to west and consuming this pass. And I think that'd be great for the African aviation industry. I, I wouldn't rule that out, Ash. I would say that must be something I was thinking about. At least some sort of, um, I mean, those 15 rounds are coming together. That One of the first things they must be doing is obviously inter, interline ticketing and all that sort of stuff. So I, it wouldn't surprise me if that sort of thing will happen. <laughs> Our future story of the week was the big news that MasterCard took a stake um, in Confirma Pay. Uh, Confirma already owned by Sabre. So there was a nice post there where I saw, I think it was Martin and Kurt and person from MasterCard on the stage together. Plenty of people posted about this. The post that, that stood out for me was the one from, from payments expert Paul, Paul von Elfen. And um, I reached out to Martin from uh, Confirma Pay. He was the interim CEO. He, he literally is uh, was there for a, a period to sort this out. And under his guidance, this happened. So I contacted him to ask him about the significance of this deal and why he is calling it a game changer. Unfortunately, he couldn't join us today, but I did manage to record a session with him uh, on a phone call prior to this event. 
He is unfortunately in a restaurant during this call, so please forgive the background noise. But let me play that clip and then we can talk about it. So this is Martin when I ask him about why he calls this a game changer. What changes the game for us, and I think for our, for our clients and for our users, is that we now not only have the power of, uh, of, of Sabre behind us, and therefore the ability to accelerate and invest in our company and our business and our partnerships in a way that we didn't know before, but we've also got the confidence of one of the major global payments companies, MasterCard, doing that with us. We have the ability in our business to connect a corporation or a travel company to pretty much any payment provider that they need anywhere in the world. We have more than 75 banks now that are connected to our business. We have more than 700 travel management companies that operate with us. We have uh, 150 procurement platform companies that, that, that work with us. So what we change in the game is that we move payments from being a process to being a strategic option for a travel company. And that's really what fascinates me. Yeah. I like that. I was going to ask you about the significance of Sabre and MasterCard, but you just explained that quite well. Haven't we had virtual card payments to date? So what's different now is that we now have the investment capability of Sabre supported by MasterCard to grow our business to a scale globally. You know, it gives us the capacity to grow and to invest that simply wasn't possible under the previous ownership. The previous ownership was very successful in what they did to the fabulous job of our company. But now we put our foot right down at a time when travel companies really do need to consider payments more as a strategy than a process. And for all of the benefits that we drive on our on our website and when we present, I mean, these are benefits to do with productivity. We solve problems for travelers. We solve problems for companies that have travelers that don't necessarily have, have corporate cards, for example. Uh, we solve problems for marine companies, for resource companies, um, for, for companies that, uh, for example, recruit people and, and don't want to get in charge. So, and, and hence you refer to it as a strategy rather than a process. I can understand that now. That makes sense. Given Sabre's yeah. investment, and you've just mentioned you are neutral to all parties, but do you think there will be a short-term benefit for the Sabre users first, or is it just a pure investment they've made? We are absolutely neutral, so we will continue to work with all of the schemes and all the GDSs. We we look both ways. So we our, our job is to connect the, the schemes and the issuers with the users of, uh, of virtual cards, and uh, and that's what we've done successfully to date, and that's what we'll do more successfully in the future in travels and also outside of travel. So that was Martin from Confirma, and um, my questions to him there. Um, I had to ask the question about Sabre because it was interesting to me that, that Sabre is obviously the owner now, and I wanted to know about the neutral position there, but he made that quite clear. Um, there's quite a few things he mentioned there that was interesting for me. Um, I mean, I, I love the idea that they are proposing agents to start thinking about payment not just as a process, but as a strategic decision. And um, it was also interesting that he mentioned right there at the end that they might go outside of travel as well and solve a few other challenges. Um, what do you guys make of that, Anne? Yeah, well, as you know, I mean, I'm not, um, I turn always to Paul Van Alphen, right, for yes. my go-to person in payments. So it's not really my key expertise area, though I see, of course, payments as, as one of the most important areas because it's been rather underdeveloped and a huge potential in that area. thought it was very interesting with MasterCard entering that scene and um, should be a very big market. It's interesting, you know, this about going outside of, of travel. Mm. Why not, really? Yes, there's certainly enough to solve there. Payment has always been lagging behind. Ash, any, any thoughts on you about this? 
overall, the idea that MasterCard is doing this is amazing. And I've, I'm mm-hmm. very familiar with Sabre Virtual Pay. I've used it in different TMCs. I've integrated it into different OBTs. So it's a wonderful, it's actually a very underrated tool, uh, Sabre Virtual Pay is within the world of Sabre. I'm very interested to see what they'll do. I mean, when he says strategic, you know, what is he referring to exactly? And give me an example of that. I would. Did I, you get anything a, like that from him? I, I, I did. He's, you know, advice to agents that there's money in payment. You can earn income from managing payments efficiently for your customers. He wasn't suggesting just, you know, skimming something off the top there. He was suggesting that it's a service. You know, as a TMC partnering with someone like them, you can provide payment solutions as a service and add it to your income fees. Um, and that's, I think, where they're going with that message about it's a strategy, not just a process. That's music to my ears because, again, income streams in the TMC you know, tend to be limited to just asking for ticketing fees and booking fees. And I'm generalizing a lot there. There are obviously a lot of agents yeah. Is very progressive about these things, but this just makes it so much. You know, it just adds to the deck and to the offering that the TMC can offer their customers, and that is fantastic to hear. And and if they can help the customer to leverage, I mean, I've been, I've I've seen that with airlines who control payment, right? Who actually have a payment hub and control payments, how they can leverage that and and actually lower the cost they're paying. It's yep. it's fascinating how much power it gives them. So if, you know, the travel agent can actually, or the TMC can help the customer in this, wow. And, and, and even from a business owner perspective, and just thinking about it, where not all employees will have um, corporate, you know, credit cards, they are expensive, yeah. you know, it's a pain to maintain. But if the TMC can offer me a virtual card for, a, for an employee during a trip, yeah, that will solve a problem right there. And then they yes. are also yeah. offering me the reconciliation of those expenses and all that stuff. So, so it really makes a lot of sense to me that the TMC should be offering me payment solutions. Absolutely. Not just for the ticket. By the way, congratulations on having the first pre-recorded interview played on linking the travel industry. There we go. Let's yeah. not uh, ignore that part of this yeah. uh, session today. It's just it was just convenient because Martin was to talk today, but he was on a plane, and so why not? Why not just record it and then play it back? We are in the travel industry, so having a, somebody in a plane taking an interview yes. should be normal. There we go. Again, thank you to those in the audience who join us. This is uh, something we do every week. So if this was your first time and you enjoyed it, do come back. We do appreciate you giving us your time from my side. And Ash, thank you very much. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call, as Rian mentioned, every week on Monday. And it is all about linking the travel industry. Please share this with everybody that you know. And if you cannot make it for any reason, you can always catch up on the podcast at Business Travel 360. This is Linking the Travel Industry signing off. <music>